Welcome to Data Dialogues from Equifax, a podcast about how data-driven insights can power smarter business decisions. Hello, everybody. My name is David Ferber, and welcome to Data Dialogues with Equifax. I am a vice president of our analytical solutions and capabilities at Equifax, and my team of data scientists and data engineers support the delivery of our Ignite solutions in the United States at Equifax. I am honored and privileged to be joined here today by Shri Mbadi. He is the founder and CEO of H2O.ai, a analytics, a machine learning and analytics company. Shri, welcome to Data Dialogues with Equifax. Thank you for having us, David. Super excited. Our journey started a good part of mid-last decade, so super thrilled to be here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an honor for me, too. I, I remember when we met the first time, I think we were at a Money 2020 conference, and uh, you, you rushed me into the booth, and you were like super excited to show me the uh, the latest and greatest that you were building at, at H2O. And uh, I, was, I was floored, to be honest with you. I was excited to see the uh, passion and enthusiasm that you have for your company and the mission that you were on and, and watching the CEO actually drive the technology and use the tools uh, that you were building was, was pretty fascinating. And I, I love that. Uh, so with that, I'd love to talk to you about your journey. Like, how did you end up as the CEO and founder of a, a machine learning AI company? I think thanks for um, memorializing that uh, incredible first time chemistry that we had. And since then, we've been on stage together at H2O World and several conferences, um, many partnerships and customers that we've created and made them successful together. So super excited for the partnership Equifax has had with us, um, both from a co-creation standpoint, but also co-innovation to help our uh, create great value for uh, our customers and our community. H2O is a movement of um, data scientists, data engineers, mathematicians, physicists, like you mentioned. And uh, one of the key things that um, we all know is data fuels um, AI. And uh, our focus has been to historically be that um, software, uh, AI software powerhouse that makes every one of our customers AI uh, superpowers, AI companies. And towards that democratization of AI was a core theme for us. Uh, I started when I started building machine learning models and quickly found that there was not enough machine learning math software that can power, solve billions of, of data points that can, um, can essentially make um, AI really accessible to every audience. And I think uh, the lack of those tool chain uh, specifically was um, highlighted. When my mom was diagnosed for cancer and I was trying to look for good tool chain to understand the difference between whether to use lumpectomy versus mastectomy and the tools uh, that the doctors were using at the time and the physicians and researchers was were very, very small data. So essentially that triggered me to go start building uh, a tool set that's accessible to every researcher in the planet to be able to um, start doing science at scale. Wow, that's, uh, that's amazing. And uh, what a great application to to apply it on right on on the the health and, and well-being of your of your family so uh, and i love the democratization of, of ai which you we talked about and the tools and the platforms you're building that support that right and we're we're, we're seeing this uh data science as a team sport now right there's a, a bringing more people into the fold that may not be traditional data scientists but giving them the tools that uh that enable them to do more if you're knowledgeable of the data 
in the business problem. You know, I, I think you know, talking about the things you're building, you know, allowing more people to be uh, take advantage of, of the data and the tools out there, and, and getting more out of that data. So, you know, with that, I, you know, I talk about data a lot, right? It's a passion of mine, uh, being at Equifax for for so long. But then, then layering on the the capabilities that you're building. So, can you talk about you know how that relationship of data and, and the importance of it is? You know, with, with what you're trying to accomplish. Data is actually, um, I mean, at the heart of all machine learning um, models, right? So you fuel all um, of innovation in AI with data. Data is gravity as well. And most of the time, our customers' data is sitting in their data centers or in their cloud, but they need to have alternative data sets to, to truly spice up their um, signal in their analysis. And that's where I think our work together, uh, customers love bringing in new data sets that have uh, a different angle on the problem they're trying to solve. And the team sport part of data is really important. AI is a, um, adoption of AI is limited by culture, right? Sort of um, most often agile cultures are able to resonate deeply to new um, newfound insights in their data and react to them and use them. And um, in, in, able, in their ability to use them, they need to be very, very fast learning organizations. And the domain expertise shouldn't be too far away from the data science, neither should the data engineering capabilities too far away from the science and the business applicability, which I call the business pain for it, it should drive uh, analysis. And I think that ability to, to go from strategy to data and data to insight again and back and forth. I think that ability to go back and, and monetize your data assets becomes really important. And that's really a team sport and the best teams we've seen across our customer base are working very closely with their business teams, working very closely with their design teams to get that evoke that response to a scientific uh, finding in the data and then apply them to their businesses. I think this kind of ability to bring that multifaceted teams together is super important. And I think, um, and uh, we found that um, really um, an example of that at both Equifax and our common customers. Yeah, and I think you know having those common customers, and we're all trying to work towards that, that, that common goal of, of you know getting more out of our data. And um, you know, I like to look at it like this. You know, you know, with with H two O and tools like that, we're we're working on that development front end, right? Developing the insights that you want. But I also see the, 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 the phases that happen after development, right? That seamless deployment to production to execute on that, those, you know, the monetization of those insights. And then that third phase where I, you know, monitoring that, is it working? Is it performing the way you want it to? Is that strategy working? And, you know, and doing the whole process over again. So the development, execution, and monitoring of, of things. And, and H2O you know, is obviously a, a capability that allows all that to happen and, uh, and giving you all those you know, uh, there's amazing insights and, and way more predictability in a higher performing way. Explaining uh, the machine learning method, machine, machine learning is usually, and AI are associated with black box models or large models. And um, proxy variables can sneak into those models relatively easily. So I think that's kind of where explaining these models and preventing accidental bias 
uh, alter, uh, kind of attack these models with um, kind of um, ways to kind of test and stabilize your methods. I think um, those are all very apropos techniques. And of, you know, of course, we have a great tool chain for it. But a tool chain is really as, as good as the person using it still. And I think um, co companies, organizations are able to uh, build good, safe guardrails in deploying AI at scale and start building uh, strong core competency in this phase. Right? Sort of a key KPI for organizations will be how fast they can learn, how fast they can deploy pipelines, data pipelines. It's not just the size of your data uh, in your data center. It's how quickly can they, how, uh, how they can flow and create rich um monetization for the asset, but also in general, trying to make decision-making um, cheaper, faster, cheaper, easier. When we say democratization, we're really calling out for faster, cheaper, easier, so that you can do um, more experiments and are not afraid of failure, because failure is no longer an option, it's a must-have. Uh, it's a feature, not a bug. I love that. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, we were talking about that co-innovation uh, briefly. We touched on a little bit with some of our mutual clients uh, that, that buy data from Equifax and use H2O for other in, uh, predictive analytics. Um, you, can you talk a little bit about you know, some of the, the, your favorite innovation or co-innovation projects that you've worked on recently and, and how some of that has really changed the, the, the direction of your business? There are lots of really great examples here. Some of the more interesting ones is when um, Brexit was about to happen. One of our customers came to us and said, what, what all data sets can we bring in to see what kind of scenario analysis can be done? For example, to predict corporate bonds in fixed income space. We looked at another customer um, more close to close to uh, recent times during COVID, as COVID onset happened, we were trying to rebuilding these models was super important for supply chain optimization, which we had to bring in a lot of alternative data sets to the bear, to bear um, looking at fraud prevention. A lot of our online customers uh, were selling um, in e-business e mode for the one of the first times, and they were uh, more prone to fraud than traditional uh, banking and uh, cards, so they had to bring in a whole new set of um, um, way of looking at data. So a lot of new um, ways of looking at the same problems with data, uh, and I think that that's kind of um, a, a lot of co-creation in business value. A lot of um, one of the one recent um, piece that we were co-innovating is with um, uh, one of our largest telco customers. We were co-innovating to create a feature store. Um, and delivering that to our customers. We're working on a LIBOR application with one of our large banking customers to see if, li as LIBOR goes away, can we redraft all the contracts to help uh, other customers who are in similar situations. Uh, again, entity resolution here, both between NLP and using Equifax data. A uh, lot of powerful uh, use cases there. Um, your APIs, I mean, developer APIs at Equifax, a call out for them. Uh, co-creating uh, rich AI-powered applications with the data assets that Equifax can have, far-reaching efforts effects for our um, customers. Yeah, definitely, and yeah, that API portal has been very uh, handy for our customers to get a hold of that and test it out, like you said, and and, and those partnerships uh, to do more with with that data. And and I, I've been focused on my whole career getting our data in the hands of people who can you know, do more with it. Uh, and building those big data platforms and those capabilities. And, and what I love about what you had done and what you talked about is some of that 
that math that you've changed, right? You're, you're bringing on a, a ton of uh, the best and brightest data scientists around the world, right, at H2O to rewrite some of these algorithms and, and get them in a way that can be distributed and run faster. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about that and, and, and how you've gone uh, out there and, and recruited some of these uh, brilliant data scientists to, you know, literally around the world, right? Yeah, it started with um, with partnering very closely with uh, universities first, right, sort of between Stanford, which is where a bulk of the core creation of the company happened, and Berkeley and Purdue. We had the early custom, early tutelage from the folks who wrote the documents uh, and the algorithms and the books in statistics and machine learning. And um, we quickly found out that uh, the best mathematicians are the ones who are willing to... Um, be open to a distributed version of their method, a much more scalable um, version of um, a gradient boosting machine or a GLM. Uh, sort of starting with the basics, um, we managed to create the world's fastest calculator at high scale. Right? Sort of, so the distance calculation between two large high-dimensional vectors is, um, uh, we perfected that and made that really um, uh, a very small problem. Once we managed to do that tensor um, distance calculation easy, it quickly made our platform solve larger problems very quickly. Open source is at the heart of our movement. And so every Thursday, Friday, we would have meetups uh, continuously educating the audience, bringing awareness about data science in general and H2O in, in particular, but different methods in a very neutral fashion. We took a very open approach because open source breeds both innovation and freedom for our customers. And once we started making science auto-generate um, software, so our inference engines, the scoring engines that come out of the training, um, they have been embedded now. 20,000 companies use our open source and the um, all payment systems, whether it's like far off, like in Paytm or M-Pesa or PayPal or Alipay, Apple Pay, all these payment systems have H2O models embedded in them. Uh, and that brought um, a grassroots transformation for data science adoption across the industry and in return brought a great bit of um, of uh, awareness of our project and of our movement. One thing led to the other. We started uh, realizing that the grandmasters were defining the best standards, the best innovation in the space. So we, uh, we sought out the top data science grandmasters and the fastest growing uh, talent in the space and put them together and started building the place for the world's best machine learning and data scientists and creating environments for them to be very empowered, very uh, self-directing uh, of what they where they want to use their time. Some some of them are working on AI to protect endangered species. Some others are working on AI to fight wildfires or predict behavior of fires in uh, wildland. Uh, still, some others are working on um, making the improving the biodiversity um, or AI for um, water in the oceans and so on and so forth. So there is a lot of high-purpose-driven work that they are doing. But the biggest purpose that drives them is our customers. Our customers have real problems and our data scientists are um, looking for those puzzles continuously. So when they work with you and your customers, they're really super um, motivated and excited to solve those problems of high value and meaningful outcomes for, for our customers. Yeah, and that's, that's a perfect segue into kind of the, the reason I think we work so well together. Uh, 
you know, I, I think your company's motto is is AI for good, and Equifax is, you know, our, our goal is to help people live their financial best, right? How can we help consumers get that student loan they need or the mortgage for their new home or their new car to get them to work? You know, those things are we're enabling that. And I think to your point earlier, like layering new data sets that maybe weren't thought of before or didn't realize they were that predictive in solving some of these challenges and um, really opening up the credit world to people who may previously have not been able to get credit because we just didn't have enough data to make those decisions. Um, so, so yeah, you want to talk about some of the, the good that's being created uh, with, with AI in the industry around the world. Um, I'd like to, I think there's some, some things I know you've worked on that are, are uh, very uh, amazing and, and near dear to your heart. So I'd love to, to get that out into the public and, and know more about it. No, I'll start with the democratizing credit. You almost touched it. Um, I mean, de- uh, democratizing credit, one of the um, interesting aspects, and I learned it through both talking to our customers. About 70% of uh, American um, workers are daily wage um, workers, and um, the definition of a nurse is very uh, different, and it's an ER nurse versus a nurse working on pediatric um, ward or nurses working in different parts of the, of the hospitals. And um, the, for, for these people, democratizing credit is meaningful. But the, one of the top reasons for people to lose their credit in the U.S. is still poor health and healthcare, the cost of healthcare. And I think these are all very tightly connected. Uh, being healthy makes you automatically capable of keeping a job longer, tenure, and then, of course, as a result, um, be able to um, be credit worthy. Um, in education, right, sort of another very core theme of of uh, how people can grow up in their careers. So democratizing health, democratizing education, and democratizing credit, they're all quite related. Some of our customers are in the life insurance where they're naturally aligned to the long-term well-being of our people. I think the community-first mindset um, and we, we all talk about how to build great companies and for the long, uh, great companies uh, also enhance um, and create great communities. And in our view, we think that community building is at the heart of all company building. And over time, that has the most long-term potential for change. Um, that brought us very closely in touch with the hospitals who are our customers, um, during COVID, in predicting, we used to predict flu and uh, flu shot prediction. So one thing led to other. We started got pulling, got pulled into helping um, hospitals react quickly to uh, the uh, demands of COVID. And as a result, most of our data scientists and our product culture, uh, we we allowed to them to build some rapid prototyping culture um, uh, software called H2O Wave, which allows them to start producing a rich set of apps in this space. And these apps are um, uh, reusable, completely um, extendable as well. So people can take those apps and start building AI for good app stores. And the vision of democratizing and making digitalizing philanthropy, if you will, or change, makes it for software um, can truly transform the world, not just eat the world, right? Sort of it can go and bring bring real change. And I think in that sense, AI uh, is changing software. As a result, AI has the power to change the world. One of the works we were looking at was the pandemic supply chain. And that led us to looking at the rising prices of oxygen concentrators when 
things were under a lot of demand under uh, the Delta variant impact in India. And our team uh, managed to put some time together so we could actually go and help rural and tier two, tier three towns in India, um, remote places where uh, one or two concentrators could still save hundreds of lives. And that was a very fulfilling um, experience for the whole team. And um, we brought that back and started improving our understanding of how impactful this technology can be for the world. Yeah, that, that was an amazing story and, and the benefit, uh, the, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe more, that, uh, that were uh, benefiting from that, that effort that you, you led um, getting the, the oxygen concentrators to India. Now, I heard you won an award for that. Did the, the government recognize you, the Indian government recognize you in uh, H2O for that, those efforts, right? As, uh, did I hear that correctly? It was, it was a uh, team effort. A lot of uh, friends, family, and folks from the team uh, were devoted to that mission. They finished my quarter early, so I could actually spend a good week um, to two, two, three weeks of uh, intense effort on bringing that together. We brought also H2O and AI is borderless. We've actually built bridges across the con- across all continents uh, uh, as part of this uh, and other efforts. Um, the key piece I would see uh, there in that particular. Um, was um, I was actually inspired by my two daughters, nine and two, nine and eleven. They came back from school, um, from their upbringing in the local uh, American schools is to not sit on the sidelines and go do something about things that are um, that need help, and that uh, almost got uh, us into action to help remotely. And the world has truly become a small village. Uh, individuals now possess the same power that kings possessed in 1600s, 1700s. So it's a very in- inspiring um, to see uh, so many individuals now able to bring change at global scale. And I think um, we should essentially um, look, look to the next generation of young um, transformers and change bringers to kind of, they have the, such good clarity of what needs to be done as opposed to the talk about what um, can be done. And I think in a sense of it, they're um, quite more, quite a huge inspiration for me as well. Yeah, me as well. That uh, it's, a, it's great to see how natural some of that becomes for, for the children of today. Um, I don't know, have you gotten your, your children coding yet? Are they, uh, they're rolling up their sleeves and, and working on some code? Yeah, I think one of the things that was interesting is that they're um, code.org. Um, and during the pandemic, uh, they managed to spend a lot more time with... Um, uh, generally with um, adults and digital education means that the whole world has become much more easily accessible to them. They have spent um, uh, programming is, a, is, a, is being literate about data, being literate about finances, being literate about um, code is, is as good as uh, as important as literacy in English and, and arts. And I think and, and I think that means that they're more likely to take things into Form. One of the, um, they, pu- they put up the websites for the uh, concentrator effort themselves. They put up the donation, uh, GoFundMe updates would be coming um, consistently from the kids. And so that just really helped them uh, see that if they could imagine something, it can be done quickly. And uh, the whole community rallied. We had um, 
a four-year-old, um, actually a fourth grader, uh, take her uh, personal savings and do a GoFundMe to had another neighbor or from next door, someone from the next door just couldn't get on online, but wanted to help somehow and wanted to come home and give contributions. Right? So you can see the level of global um, universality that uh, COVID has exposed. In, in a, I mean, we all hear about the kind of the localization and the division that COVID has impacted. But what we experienced was um, whether the uh, yoga centers in Midwest supporting or the Tibetan um, monasteries or mid Middle East, we have had um, um, folks from all walks of life wanting to help and save a community, communities across um, India. And I guess there are silver linings in the the, the disaster of, of COVID and, and the a lot of the innovation has come out to help fight this. And I know at Equifax, we, you know, we had these weekly calls and, and we refreshing our data more currently to get the latest and greatest. So, so companies had, you know, better data to make those decisions, those hard decisions, uh, and how to support that their, the community and the, and their, their customers. And so, yeah, I've seen some amazing innovations come out of this um, and, and the, the the community bringing things together to, to do the things you, you were talking about. I love, I love that. The event, yeah, the event horizon for innovation suddenly shifted by five, 10 years, right? So that's the way to look at it because what used to be, we need cloud or we need to be digital. We need to do this um, podcast remotely. We need to meet um, uh, occasionally, but continuously innovate together. And um, I think that kind of uh, collaboration, distributed collaboration, is going to just make make um, innovation just go on in, a, in an exponential curve. And I think we are beginning to see that happen. A lot more uh, emphasis on both personalization and the data assets that um, Equifax is able to offer now are um, much, much more practical, useful for businesses to uh, take them and start rebuilding their models. All models um, were wrong and some were useful in the right sort of in the classic adage. But now I think all models have to be rebuilt because COVID stress tested uh, every machine learning method, every um, statistical model of the past. And I think that can, that means that continuously learning containers, continuously learning uh, models um, and from data changes and drift in data, all of that um, has to be automated to the fullest extent possible. Uh, and I think that's a that's a great place for um, both Equifax and H2O to to be at the service for the customers. Yeah, interesting point, and you're right on the the continuous learning and the ability to, to shift uh, quickly um, when, when new data exposes itself. I feel like there's still uh, another shoe to fall. We're, we're not there yet, right? Things are, there's more to come on this, on this pandemic and the impacts it's having. Um, as the laws change, right, and the, the banks uh, adjust their policies, we're going to start to see, see more impact. Uh, so I feel like there's more to come here to the story that's it's, uh, only going to get harder, unfortunately, in, in my mind. But um, would love your, your thoughts on that. We're probably halfway um, to 60% away. The glass is more than half full. But I think uh, another um, 9 to 12 months of um, of um, general recovery. Uh, if we, we looked at the models um, or data from the 1349 pandemic, the Black Plague, to the um, 1666, to the 1918, I think in most of the cases, they're at least three years long. 
I think um, we have better uh, science on our side this time. We have better ways to communicate. I think COVID um, also exposed the power of misinformation. These black box models have essentially been a uh, pretty d- difficult to kind of explain um, the effects and interpret the models in a way that ordinary citizen can consume simple science, right? Sort of. So going back to the basics, where we can don't bombard the um, uh, receiver with too many signals, right? Sort of the right amount of message and clarity. I think that should be able. We should be able to overcome. I think in general, I think we are in a in a place where businesses are. Um, the choppiness of recovery is going to be more impact, more difficult to adapt. The less uncertain we um, things are. I think the the more um, pre- more predictability comes into the system, the businesses can adapt rapidly. And you're seeing a lot more deconstruction of the traditional bank, a lot of fintechs. Um, so you're beginning to see that um, in many ways in each industry, one at a time. And at every continent, there are now emergent large movements for a little bit of decentralization, but a little bit more of... Um, uh, applying AI and um, and data to power the transformation. So you won't need that same large number. Uh, a classic example, one of our banking customers have found that data science can give them just as good interest rate prediction or predictions for underwriting um, as uh, very uh, many years, decades experienced um, uh, teams on their side. So then they are like, how do we uh, kind of automate this? How do we kind of take this to the next level? So you're beginning to see core um, pockets of extreme um, competitive innovation in larger companies. And that's actually also very powerful. We're seeing that entrepreneurship is transforming large companies. And likewise, uh, small companies are able to reach the size of large uh, or the audience of a very large um, company as well. So you're beginning to see that um, true cooperation happening in the market. Um, and just, just like in 20 years ago, turn back, uh, internet brought giants like uh, Google, eBay, Amazon, right into midst PayPal. And I think that's kind of the, what's happening with AI as being the new, the new electricity. It's powering those um, large organizations to be formed today. Um, there are certainly a few great um, candidates for that. And through our customer partnerships and true customer centricity, we hope to uh, create a few of those ourselves and hopefully uh, be there uh, and, uh, as the as kind of I call I call of our team as kind of the Sherpas for others climbing their Mount Everest. Um, and so, we, as with your partnership, we, together with your data and our AI, we could definitely bring that um, true scale for our customers' efforts to become the world's best in whatever they're trying to do. Yeah, great analogy. I love the, the Sherpas analogy. That's, uh, that's exactly right. And, and you guys are there helping uh, lead the way every time. You know, going back to the overall theme of this discussion, right, the, the AI plus the data uh, in the industry that's adopting this in the growth, uh, it's just been an amazing journey. Uh, Shri, I, I appreciate you and your company and the partnership that you've had. It's been a, it's been a great a great journey so far, and I look forward to the future um, and, and doing more great things together. Um, so thank you uh, so much for being here and, and taking the time to talk to us about all these amazing things that are happening. Thank you for having us. And like, um, like your products, cultures, um, we want to ignite new discussion. 
We want to ignite that healthy data-driven culture in our customers and our communities. And I think anyone with data and purpose can use AI as their co-founders and build incredible value very quickly. The future, as we see it, is a trillion dollars companies will be created more often and many of them will very likely have AI at the heart of them. And I think um, the size of these trillion dollar companies are going to be much smaller, right? So, so this, you're now beginning to see the future where um, uh, anyone with incredible um, purpose and drive can go and bring that change they're uh, wanting to see in the world. And I think we're super excited to be partners in that and data fuels that growth. And AI is a, is a willing partner in that um, monetization. So looking forward to uh, a strong partnership with Equifax and your audience in the years ahead. Thank you again for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, this has been a great discussion. I hope uh, a lot of people find it very useful and, and, and uh, enlightening. You know, and if you guys want to find out more about H2O, our, our customers, uh, you know, h2o.ai is their, their uh, URL. Uh, go check them out. And... Uh, Again, thank you uh, for being on today for our data dialogues, and I look forward to our future partnership. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Data Dialogues from Equifax. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button to be notified of future episodes and leave us a review. To keep our legal team happy, we'd like to remind you that nothing in this podcast is legal advice, and we recommend to always consult with your own legal representative to ensure your data use is handled properly. Also, the opinions and views expressed in the podcast are not intended as hard facts and advice. They're also not necessarily the views of Equifax.